turn now to the book of Leviticus as we come to our devotional time this evening. You know, Leviticus is one of these books that you know, we don't often turn to. In fact, it's usually the book that most of our Bible reading plans end in. You know, we, we can make it uh, through Genesis and Exodus, and then we get to Leviticus, and we hear for the 17th time what uh, the priest is supposed to wear, and how he's supposed to do things, and we uh, suddenly kind of slow in our, uh, in our activity uh, in this. But the book of Leviticus is an important book uh, for the Christian faith, and I want to go uh, to a particular offering. Uh, that is laid out in the book of Leviticus tonight to talk about uh, this thanksgiving that we have to the Lord. So let us turn there to Leviticus chapter 7 as we uh, read verses 11 uh, through 18. Let us hear the word of our God. This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving Unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cakes, as his offering, he shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. And from it he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offers his sacrifice. But on the next day, the remainder of it also may be eaten. The remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day must be burned with fire. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it, and the person who eats of it shall bear guilt. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to these words of Holy Scripture this evening, we pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you will use these words. Uh, in your providential care over our souls, that we might grow in our love for you uh, through your gift. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, as I said, these uh, offerings that we have here in the book of Leviticus are very particular. The worship of God is not something uh, that should ever be taken lightly. And we see in the book of Leviticus something that we also heard in the words that we read from the book of Ezra. You remember there in Ezra uh, chapter 3 that the things that were done uh, by the Levite priests were done in accordance with the command that God had given to David. The Levite priests were not allowed to kind of make things up as they went along. There was a very organized process for the offerings that were given to the Lord at the temple. And the reason for this is, is that the people of God in the Old Testament were meant to learn something from each and every offering. The, the Lord Jesus Christ makes it clear to us 
that these offerings, each in their own way, were testifying to Israel of the work of the Messiah. Uh, that each one uh, was, in, like I said, kind of in kind of a Lego way, building on each other, so that when the Lord Jesus came, and we went back to the book of Leviticus, we could learn more about the totality of the work that Christ had completed at the cross. You know, the, this peace offering that we look at this evening is offered uh, for three reasons, we're told. First of all, it can be offered as an offering of thanksgiving. It can be offered as an offering made because a vow has been completed. And lastly, it is also a free gift offering. Now, there were offerings, of course, in the Old Testament that were compulsory, ones you had to give. And those offerings were usually associated with all of the feasts that we see in the Old Testament. For instance, the one we probably are most aware of is uh, the Feast of the Passover. Of course, the Passover feast was to be held at a particular time, on a particular day, even at a particular hour of the year. There was no sense in which an Israelite could offer the Feast of Passover in the middle of July. That would be a great abomination to the Lord. In fact, one of the stories that we have in the book of Leviticus, one of the few kind of narrative sections, is the story of Nadab and Abihu. Of course, you're likely familiar with that story. You know that Nadab and Abihu, who were the sons of Aaron, uh, came before the Lord and offered a strange fire to the Lord. And we know that in offering the strange fire to the Lord, that Jehovah was displeased with this, and they were consumed by the fire. You know, they not only were judged, but were condemned in the midst of this work. And so the, the offerings that we see here in the Old, old Covenant... You know, again, had to be followed specifically and in God's instruction. And these offerings that we're looking at tonight, like I said, were not like those Passover offerings. They could be offered at any time during the year. They could be offered at any moment, any time you were moved by the Spirit, in kind of a New Testament way of thinking, uh, to come before the Lord to either give thanks Uh, To give thanks uh, for general things, to give thanks for the harvest, to give thanks uh, for a a healthy child, to give thanks uh, for uh, just about anything you can imagine. We also see again that you could give this particular offering, you know, let's say that you had made a vow uh, to the Lord uh, that, you know, if he blessed you in this certain way, uh, that you would do this certain thing. And when that vow was completed... Well, you went to the Lord and you offered uh, this particular offering. And each of these particular offerings that we see tonight are uh, given in slightly a different way. In verse 12, we see the Thanksgiving offering which says, If he offers it for a Thanksgiving, then he shall offer with a sacrifice of Thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cakes, his offerings shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. So again, we see these unleavened cakes. We see the leavened cakes 
And we also see the meat offering that is to go with it. Now, when we think of unleavened bread, you know, what are we meant to think of? Again, we're meant to think of bread that does not have the leavening agent in it. And if you've ever seen unleavened bread, what does it look like? It's just a flat piece of, uh, of cracker, basically. And the idea here again, as it's used in the New Testament, is an unleavened sacrifice is an unblemished sacrifice. Right? It is a sacrifice that is without sin. And again, when you think of all the other sacrifices under the Levitical law, you know, the unblemished sacrifice was required in the midst of God's work in order that God's people would understand that in the atonement, that in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that His offering uh, would be an unblemished one, would be an unleavened one. It would be one uh, that was not stained with sin or any kind of imperfection. And so this Thanksgiving offering was meant to represent uh, that similar offering that the Lord had done through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we think about the thanksgivings that we have in our own lives, when we think about uh, the reasons we have thanksgivings, Again, we understand that those things have only been given to us because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Israelite, when they were to think of this unleavened bread, when they were to think of this unblemished sacrifice, one of the things that the Israelite was meant to think about was the work of God in the removal of them from bondage in Egypt. And of course, this was kind of the, the, the seminal event of the Israelite, especially in the days in which Moses is writing the book of Leviticus. You know, they were thinking back to how God had, had brought them out again of Egypt, had saved them through uh, the Red Sea, how God had watched over them even in the midst of their own sin in the wilderness. You know, God had given to them uh, food each and every morning. And so this sacrifice was to be a reflection of God's work in their lives. Again, that's why this Thanksgiving offering was to be given in unleavened way. But we also see uh, that uh, this particular sacrifice included leavened bread and a meat offering. Now again, this understanding here is of of, of the work that God had done through His people. In the midst of these things. Because anything that a human being does is stained with sin. Anything that a human being does is blemished. Anything that a human being uh, accomplishes is again stained with that old man. Even if it's done by a believer. And so the understanding here is this thanksgiving that they are giving unto the Lord. Again is a reminder not only what God has done for them. But again, the things that they have accomplished, uh, that they are giving thanks to the Lord for. And so when we're giving thanks to the Lord, we of course give thanks for the salvation that we have received through Him. But we're also giving thanks for 50 years of marriage. We're also giving thanks uh, for uh, the labors that we have accomplished in our work lives. uh, the, the, The work that we've given thanks for in schoolwork. The thanks we're giving for pets. The thanks we're giving for all of these things. 
But of course we understand that you know, 50 years of marriage, all of these things are stained uh, with our own imperfections. And so this, this leavened sacrifice given with the unleavened one, again, is to remind the Israelite that the accomplishment of these things, though they have been done by sinners, again, have only been done because of the hand of the Lord in them. Because again, they could not have been accomplished outside of God's sovereign hand, outside of His blessed work and through His grace. And again, we also see in the midst of this, we have the unleavened, the leavened, and also we have uh, this uh, meat sacrifice. Now, it's interesting about the meat sacrifice. Of course, meat, to get meat, what do you need to have happen? Right? There has to be death. Right? Blood has to be shed for you to have meat to sacrifice. And of course, we you know, understand what that represents. Right? The idea that there has to be a sacrifice uh, for these things to take place. You know, when we make bread, right, we don't understand that we're killing the wheat right, or the barley or the oats. You know, that, that's not how we understand those things. Again, that's not how the Bible understands. You know, on Sunday, we talked a little bit about you know, in the garden, what did Adam and Eve eat? Right? They ate fruit. They ate vegetables. And of course, it was only after sin that death came to be part of the creation. And when we see here in the death of this animal, and we're not particularly told in this passage what that meat was to be, but earlier on in the book of Leviticus, when the kind of general peace offering is laid out, it's understood that this is going to be a heifer. Now, I don't have to explain to y'all what a heifer is. Now, I think we, we all pretty much know. Uh, what that is. Now, if I, I was preaching in the middle of Manhattan, uh, I might have to explain what a heifer is, but we know all uh, what a heifer is. We know what's involved in sacrificing a heifer. You know, that's an involved process. You know, it's not something that takes 20, 30 minutes. You know, how, how many of y'all have actually been involved in slicing up, butchering a whole cow? But it's not a, again, it's not a, a short process. And the idea here is that this offering which is being given is a whole offering. So in, the, in this, this peace offering, you are bringing a whole heifer to the priest. Now, that's a lot of meat that you're bringing. And we're told here that what are you supposed to do with that offering? Well, you have to eat it over two days. Now, think about eating a whole cow over two days. Now, you get a little bit of, uh, of help, right? Because you're supposed to give some of it to the priest. Right? You know, it's one of the interesting things. You go back and you read calls for ministers back in the 19th century. And, and there's very little actual payment in those calls. Those calls are full of things like, you know, the church promises to give the minister a whole cow for the year. Or the congregation promises to give the minister a dairy cow. And the congregation promises to give the minister a, a, a certain amount of flour for the year. Well, again, that's how the Levites, you know, kind of maintained their living. You know, was through these free will offerings, through these voluntary offerings that God had established for His people. And when we think about these offerings and the benefits that the priests gain from them, we also see something about how God provides uh, for the Levites. 
Right? He, he, he calls upon these people to bring a whole heifer. So not only does God receive His part of the offering, and the people themselves receive the bounty of the offering, but also the Levites would receive a portion of these things. Now, but again, you still have to eat a whole cow over two days. Now, when we eat like that, what do we usually call it? We call it feasting. And when we feast before the Lord, what do we do? Right? How many feasts do we go to that we just kind of sit around and, and, and mope? Right? Feasting involves enjoyment, right? And enjoys thanksgiving. It, it, it means to be excited for these things. And so, one of the things that we need to learn from this particular passage, especially when it comes to our thanksgivings before the Lord, is that our thanksgivings need to involve this cheerful understanding of what God has done for us. You know, one of the, one of the things that Presbyterians get kind of kind of beat up on every now and then, right? Is we're called the frozen chosen. Right? And you know, the, the this idea that you know the only way we can worship is kind of quietly and can't make too much noise, right? Well, what do we what do we see here in the Levitical passage? We see this feast going on, this thanksgiving for the work of the Lord. And when we gather together for worship, we should be enjoying ourselves. Now that doesn't mean we need to to kind of Fake it until we make it, right? Yeah. The idea here is not that we need to kind of manufacture joy, right? That we need to change things so that uh, we get kind of artificial entertainment kind of joy. But that the people of God, when they come together to worship, you know, we can do an awesome thing together, right? We are gathering together to rejoice in the name of God for the blessings that we have received through His Son. You know, through the, the wonderful work that God does for us each and every day. You know, it's really an amazing thing to think about. That we have had our sins paid for at the cross of Calvary. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, right? Yeah, but sometimes we kind of, uh, not so much take it for granted, but I think we don't really understand the monumental nature of that work. But again, that's what, what one of the things the law of the peace offering we have here is meant to remind the Israelite about. Because again, sacrifice is not always an enjoyable act, right? You know, I, I know, like I said, many of us have involved, butchered cows. And in about hour four of that butchering, you know, the, uh, the, the, it, it starts to wear on you a little bit, right? And when you, things start wearing on you, where, how does your attitude go? Right? Attitude kind of starts inching down, 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 right? Yeah, but th- this idea that the people are meant to think of as they're butchering this heifer, as they are, they, they're making this sacrifice to the Lord, well, they're supposed to be thinking forward to the feast. They're supposed to be thinking forward to the enjoyment that comes out of the sacrifice. And, and again, in our Christian lives, especially as we go through times of drudgery, in times of pain, times of anguish, in times of sadness and darkness. You know, what's supposed to enable us to get through those times is the remembrance of the feast day uh, that is coming in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, not just the, you know, the, 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 kind of chronologically in the future, but what, what gets us through that, again, is the remembrance of the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And as we see this, this sacrifice continue here, we see the, the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for Thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. Again, the idea here is you know, not so much that you need to stuff yourself you know, so that none's left. But the idea, again, is not only the feasting, but it also has in mind that we are supposed to do these things and act on these things in the moment. You know, that, that there is an immediacy to our thanksgiving. You know, when we see the Lord do something wonderful for us, you know, again, we should act immediately in response to that. Right? Have you ever seen somebody who, who's had something happen wonderful to them? And what's their immediate reaction? Right? To yell Eureka! Right? To yell hallelujah! To be, to be thankful for these things. You know, when we, you know, on TV, they run a lot of these uh, lottery ads, right? And what happens to people when they scratch that thing and the million dollar thing comes up? You know, how do they act? You know, do you see a lot of people hang their heads and, and kind of go, oh well, I guess I won. Right? Is that how they act? You know, how do they act? They, they, they jump, right? They, they, they're excited for winning. Again, the sacrifice that we see here, the people in the immediacy of the moment are feasting in thanksgiving for the sacrifice that has been given. Again, there's a, a lot of work involved in this sacrifice. Again, think back once more to the unleavened uh, portion of this. Again, the, 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 the foundation for all these things is the unleavened sacrifice. You know, the unleavened sacrifice that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because again, all of our thanksgivings, all of our works, what are they riddled with? Again, they're riddled with sin. You know, the, our, our works are, are, are measly. Our works are, are, are often kind of uh, not just tainted with sin, but you know, they're, they're faulty. And, and what is it that moves us even to continue in the midst of these things? Well, again, it's a reminder of that foundation. That it's not our righteousness, it's not our works that gains us this feasting day, that gains us this rejoicing. It is that unleavened sacrifice, that unblemished sacrifice of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Now, in, in closing tonight, we see uh, this, this, this passage kind of end on a little bit of a downer. Verse 18, it says, And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it, and the person who eats of it shall bear guilt. You know, this, is, this is a warning uh, both to those who are offering the sacrifices and to the Levites. Because one of the warnings we, we heard in the book of Hebrews uh, last week or on Sunday uh, was this warning of treating the things of God as a common thing. Right? The warning here is not so much that you know, it's going to take you three days to eat this. You better eat it in two but what happens to meat that's been laying out for three days? I think we all know what happens to meat after it's been laying out for three days, right? It starts to putrefy, right? It starts to stink, right? Or as the King James would say, stanketh, right? It, 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 it's nasty on the third day. And the, the idea here is, again, you know, the, that... This, this meat, this meat offering is to be eaten in haste. 
It's to be eaten in uh, thanksgiving. It's not to be treated as just another meal. It's not to be kind of wasted. Again, it's an important thing to think of in our Christian life when we think of the grace that God has shown to us. Is it something that we are wasting? Is it something that we are not rightfully rejoicing over? Is it something that we are treating as a common thing, as an expected thing? Because that's one of the ways that Israel often got himself in trouble, right? Israel treated the, the, the mercies of God as almost like a spoiled child, right? How many times do we hear the people of God complain to Moses or to Isaiah or to whoever saying, well, why hasn't God done this for me yet? Right? Why hasn't God given to us all of these material things that we think God ought to give us? Why has God put us in the wilderness? Of course, when God gave them the opportunity to go to the promised land, what did they do? Right? The ten spies went up there and said, Ooh, there's giants in the land. We can't go up there. You know, it's not nearly as nice as the brochure says. Right? This isn't what we bargained for. Moses, take us back to slavery. Right? But what did the Caleb and Joshua say? Right? They went up and they saw the land flowing with milk and honey. They saw the grapes as big as their heads. And what was the difference between those two sets of spies? Again, Caleb and Joshua went up to the promised land and they knew that the Lord had promised them this land. They knew that the Lord had put this hand in, this land into their possession. God had done this for them. In a very real sense, Caleb and Joshua... Uh, were following uh, the old uh, uh, saying, you know, they were not looking a gift horse in the mouth. Right? They were thankful for what they had received. They were thankful for what God had done for them. And they were ready to partake of that glory, partake of that blessing. So brothers and sisters, as we you know, go out uh, tonight, as we uh, go uh, unto our thanksgivings, as we go out unto the world in the weeks, months, years ahead, Again, let us uh, hear something about what the Lord Jesus Christ has laid out uh, for us today in His Word from Leviticus chapter 7. And that we not only are to rejoice in these things, but we are to rejoice in thanksgiving because all of these things have come from the Lord our God. That He has blessed us in every spiritual blessing. That He has given us these things that we might truly enjoy them in our days. Again, we are citizens of a better kingdom. We are journeying on the way to that glorious promised land that God has made from the foundation of the world that we might rest therein. Again, resting in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and resting in that eternal assurance and word that we have from our God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give thanks again. 